Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Do you want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money as well. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all. And I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to Spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey, you know what to do. You grow. You know what's right. 19, 16, I don't I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's one o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the fourth episode of the College Loop Podcast. It's just two of us today, me, Dylan Lark, at you boy the tank on Twitter, and joined by my co-host, as always, Mr. Harrison Tarr. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. That's at by Harrison Tarr on Twitter if you want to check out my work. And also make sure you check out the at the college loop on Twitter. Uh, interact with us, send us your questions. I think that next week, um, and I haven't I'm live pitching this to Dylan. So this is everyone's hearing it at the same time. <laughs> I think next week, um, maybe Tuesdays, we can start doing a, a mailbag. Um, I think that'd be pretty fun. Be really so, fun. Um, get some mailbag questions for next week and we could uh, we can answer those right here on the show. Let's see, we are recording this about 15-ish minutes after the conclusion of the Auburn-Florida game, which we are going to talk about for the bulk of this episode. Auburn found a way to win 61-58 to in a absolute slugfest offensively. <laughs> like Neither one of these two teams could find any rhythm on offense, and as soon as one did, the other one did also. Dylan, you know what I say, all right, and, and, I'm, and I stand by this a lot. Um, this team's going to win a lot of ugly games, but winners win. Um, and and it was ugly, and Auburn's gonna Auburn's gonna drop some games this year, and that that's going to happen. And I think that was on full display tonight. Um, conference play is going to be a little grittier than I think they may have thought it was going to be. Um, the SEC is just deep, top to bottom. Uh, but winners win, right? Uh, at the end of the day, um, if if you got that dog in you, uh, you'll find a way to come out on top. And uh, I think you watched all forty minutes. I was able to watch ten of the forty. I was in transit from Atlanta to New Jersey, so I'm coming to you live from New Jersey. But uh, I'm excited to get to talk about it. Um, I don't know if we're going to mention the name Colin Castleton at all because I didn't hear it at all on the broadcast, not once. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, if you watch the game at all, you understand that he is being a little sarcastic. Uh, Jimmy Dykes did not want to go two minutes without mentioning the fact that Castleton was on the floor. And... <laughs> It's it's unreal the 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 love affair for Colin Castles and 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 I'm gonna be honest, um, I was super underwhelmed. <laughs> I mean, the love affair makes sense. He's in a long term relationship with the Florida Gators as it stands right now. 
Uh, but Castleton's stats were he had six points, eight rebounds, four assists, four blocks, and and uh, two steals. And it seemed like whenever Janai Broom was on Colin Castleton, Castleton found it hard to get buckets, and then Auburn would try to throw another man on him, and that's where he got those assists and all that stuff because people would uh, dash right by whoever was the second man, and that's where they got most of their points, or at least some of their points. Well, well, let's let's talk for a minute here. We, when we came into this game, we we knew, and we've been talking about this for for a week now. You and I have, and and it's not just us. I'm not going to claim we're the only one saying this. Anyone in the college basketball sphere could have looked at this game and said, "Yeah, the key to key to shutting down Florida is shutting down Colin Castleton," um, and, and and Auburn effectively did that. Um, I, I, I was able to kind of speed watch the first half tape. Even in the first half, I mean, they were forcing Florida to shoot from the field, make backdoor cuts, um, and and. and really effectively shutting down Colin Castleton. I mean, six points, two of those in garbage time. Um, I mean, I guess not garbage time. They were, they were it was a big time bucket. But you know what I mean? Late game. And uh, I, I think that to, to a large extent, uh, Janai Broom's got to hang his hat on the fact that he was better than Colin Castleton tonight. And, okay. um, and, and for that matter, I mean, Dylan Cardwell held his own against Colin Castleton. And uh, big, big, uh, big game from Janai Broom tonight. Uh, Fourteen points and eleven rebounds for a double double. Also added four assists. Uh, Broom was just manhandling Castleton, and anytime they didn't call a foul on Broom for playing defense, Castleton could not find any rhythm offensively. That's why he only had six points. And we talked about this on last episode that the key factor to keep Florida from winning this game is to shut down Castleton, and uh, we talked about how the only way Florida could really win this game was with like a, a double, well, at least double digit points from Castleton. And of course, if he was a score three, four more points, Florida would have won this game. So big key factor of this game is Auburn's defense showed up when they needed to. Well, let's also not take away from Florida's guard play. I mean, Florida got good guard play tonight. Uh, Myron yes. Jones transferred out of Penn state. Uh, it, he was broke shot wise last year and, and, and suddenly Florida has fixed him. So power to him. Uh, 10 points from him tonight. Reeves had 15. Uh, Florida had good guard play. And and we talked about this going, going into this game. It's, it's a large part of this. And uh, aside from the Colin Castleton factor, it was going to be, how is Auburn's guard play going to stack up? And it's going to be like that every night, right? Every, every SEC game. Um, and, and flat out, I mean, Florida won the battle of the guards tonight. Not to mention their two best guards were the ones on the bench, as you mentioned uh, with the Reeves, uh, had 15 points off the bench, and their other one, Jones, had 10 points off the bench. Auburn only had one guard that really put up double or did put double digit points up was Wendell Green. They got 14 points. Who Wendell? Uh, he ended the half with a half court buzzer beater, which really got Auburn moving. Uh, he said some explicitives to uh to the camera. You explicitly uh, never hurt anybody, right? <laughs> to get him the ball, and it seemed during at least the first five minutes of the second half, Auburn was getting him the ball and Auburn was scoring a lot of points to start off the second half. A heat, they scored 12 points and I believe 10 of them were Wendell Green. Uh, get him the ball. When Wendell Green's hot, he's one of the hardest people to start to stop in the sport. Like that, don't let that man get hot. If you're playing defense on him. Well, uh, Dylan, I, th- I think that we talked about this uh, a couple uh, on the last episode on, on I guess that'd be Sunday's episode, Tuesday's episode. Tuesdays, yes, yes. Tuesdays episode. Sorry, it's all kind of blurring together for me. Uh, on Tuesdays episode, about at some point, and I know I know I mentioned this. I think you echoed the same thing. 
Wendell Green and Jalen Williams, Jani Broom, and and good version of Alan Flanagan are going to have to look around and say, this is what we got. And and I kind of think we saw a little flare of that um, tonight. I don't think it, I don't want anybody to panic. I don't think there's trouble in paradise in that locker room. I think the chemistry on that team is just fine. Um, I think it was a little frustration because Wendell knows that um, this team, uh, I don't think this team's going to finish in the top four in the SEC. I'm, I'm just going to be honest right now in the regular season. I, I think it'll be a dogfight to finish in that top five. Um, hell man if they, if they play like they did tonight they're they're gonna be fighting for a spot in the tournament uh yeah. that that aside i think tonight was kind of the first glimpse of what that's gonna take in an sec contest um i mean at some point wendell's gonna have to say and 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 i guess echo that same statement from Janai broom and Janelle williams look this is what we got this is how we're going to score and i mean look at your top three scores tonight i think that tells the tale right because as as you go through on this 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 gauntlet, you got to go play in Knoxville. Um, you've you've got to play at, at Alabama. You've uh, you've got to play at Kentucky and Rupp Arena. Um, you get Tennessee twice. You get Bama twice. Uh, it's it's a tough tough slate. And uh, this team's got to figure it out sooner than later. Uh, Bruce Pearl's got to be happy with the win tonight, though. So, uh, as he, I'm gonna echo what you texted earlier, a win is a win is a win is a win. Uh, but like you talk about Florida winning the guard play, look, you look at Wendell Green had a great game the night, especially whenever he was able to get the ball. But I mean, if you look at between Flanagan and Zepp and Donaldson, there's two points between those three guards. I'm not counting KD because he had eight points, but he shot zero for three from the three point line. Just we got to get some consistency with scoring. I mean, how how uh, consistent is it going to be where Janai Jalen? and Wendell are going to be our top scorers every night. I think Auburn's there. I, I really do. Um, I think that I think that Auburn has arrived to that conclusion. Like, let, let's let's also take notice of some guys that weren't on the floor. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and say it. Chance Westry did not see the floor tonight. He did not. Huh. It did look a little bit like Bruce was like, it's time to hone in on this is what we got right now. Um, I don't. I, I haven't. I, I haven't looked off the top of my head, and I've got this, uh, the the. The box score right in front of me. So just let me double check this before I say anything. Um, Johan played seven minutes today. Johan, Johan Treyor played seven minutes today. We're getting into the form of this team knows what their identity is. They know what it's going to take for them to win games. And I think I mentioned this earlier in the week. I said something to the, of the effect of it's a race to 60, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, and, 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 and with this defensive-minded team, and let's be honest, they just don't have shooters. Uh, you've, got, you've got Jay Will and you've got I see win depending on the night, but this is where it's at. I think your top three scorers on a nightly basis are going to be like we've said the past week. It's going to be Jalen Williams. It's going to be Janai Broom. It's going to be Wendell Green. And every now and then you're going to sprinkle in a good Alan Flanagan game. You're going to sprinkle in a good Kevin Kevin Durant. How about Kadarius Johnson game? (laughs) (laughs) Good KD game. And um, Zepp's going to be good for one 12 point performance this year. I'm sure. Yes. And then, uh, and, and then we already had the Chris Moore game. Unfortunately, I would love to have that happen in SEC play because I love Chris Moore. Uh, Simo did start off very hot in this game, uh, putting up four points in the first he like, the two minutes. Most, he might be the second or third most consistent player on the Auburn team. <laughs> and Simo started off the game getting four points in the game with eight. Uh, another key factor of this game is the fact that first half Auburn had 12 turnovers, which uh, I remember there was a tweet, I think, from Hoke that said we were on pace to put up 24 turnovers, which would have been the most we've had this season. But I don't know what was in that locker room. But after after the first half, we only had three turnovers in the second half. 
And one was almost a backbreaker in the last 24 seconds of that game with a, with a J will pass to sure the was. Florida defender. Sure was. My heart dropped when that ball got caught by Florida player. I'm going to kind of build off of what you just said for a second. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to speculate. Uh, this would be ground. This game is definitely grounds. If the AP poll decides to drop Auburn out, I wouldn't fault them. Um, but there's going to be a lot of negative speculation around this game. Uh, there's a couple of things Auburn I thought did well. Um, yeah. First and foremost, you didn't let Florida get into the bonus until one until the under four t- media timeout. That's huge, absolutely huge, because Auburn has been shooting themselves in the foot um, to this point in the in the season and having to play scramble pickup, you know, um, lack of lack of a better term, run and gun pickup basketball, um, like they did against Georgia State um, in the late going where they're in foul trouble. Uh, you can't keep Janai on the floor because he's getting hacked, which oh, that's going to happen to a big man. That's going to happen, but. Yeah, then you're getting Jay Will in trouble, and then and then K- uh, KD's in, in 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 trouble, and and you're giving up free points. You did not give up free points until the under four timeout. That's huge. Uh, I thought they did that very well. And, you, and and to your point, I mean, limiting turnovers in the second half. If Bruce Pearl's team's going to win games, they're going to have to hover under 15 turnovers a game. Uh, you're going to turn the ball over. It happens in basketball. Duh. You're going to have double digit turnovers more than likely almost every game. But you got to keep it under 15. Very true. And another thing about Auburn, this game. Uh, so this season, Auburn is averaging 7.1 blocks per game, which is top 10 in the nation tonight, only got three blocks. And that came from three different players. Uh, Janai, Simo, and Dylan Cardwell all got three blocks. I want to put it this way, though. The counterpoint. Got one point. You're not going to see a ton of more teams with the same style or same caliber height that Florida has. Florida, not super talented, very tall. So, I mean, that is – it's a wash in my opinion. Uh, I mean, you're going to play some smaller teams with, with guard play. You're going to play in Alabama, and you'll probably have more uh, more packs against Bama than you did against Florida, and that's just kind of the, the lay of the land. Uh, but right now, um, this team's got to gear up and ready to play, get ready to play a smaller team at Georgia in Athens uh, on the road um, and uh, gave them fits last year. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, the- – Bad thing about this game coming up is we don't know what Auburn we're going to see this time around. What last game we said it was the most complete game we've ever watched for, from the season at Washington. Bring them into Devil Arena. We get a bit of a sluggy, very bad offensive looking team at a, against a worse team than Washington, we would say. And now it's what are, what do we expect to see going into Athens? I think it is it. This weekend or next week? Mid- midweek next week. I believe it's next Wednesday. I'll be in. I'll be in attendance. I'll be a witness, as Bruce Pearl likes to call it. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm. I think you feel just posed a question, so I'm going to field it as a question. If that's if that's if that's what you were going to, I did ask the question. <laughs> I didn't know if this was rhetorical or not, uh, proving a point because that would have also worked. <laughs> um, I think that that you see a more disciplined uh, Auburn team next week, and you, you have to. Um, you're picking on a bottom feeder in the SEC. Uh, Florida, I mean, excuse me, after Florida and Georgia, that's got to be the easiest start of the slate aside from maybe playing Vanderbilt or Ole Miss. Um, but you're, you're picking on a bottom feeder in the SEC that did get better um, uh, under what I think is probably going to wind up being a bridge coach in Mike White, but still got better. Uh, they're a smaller team, familiar foe, right? Um, I think that this is a disciplined team. You just haven't seen a ton of the sample size is weird for us to this point because we don't know how this team bounces back. Really. We know they bounced whack well from the USC loss. 
Um, they've not lost back-to-back games yet this year, uh, which, I mean, granted, sample size is still small, only 13 games. But still, uh, both times that they've come back from losses, they've looked stronger, minus, I mean, some sloppy play against Georgia State. That's neither here nor there, right? But I think that the scheme that Georgia runs and the Mike White Mike White teams are always going to give Bruce Pearl teams fits. It's just kind of how it works. But I think that lack of talent in, in Athens right now should make things look cleaner than maybe they are. Uh, but I think discipline will be a key. Uh, having two big men that Georgia really can't compete with, it's going to be kind of night and day. I, I think that next Wednesday, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this way too early, and we'll talk about it when we get closer, obviously, in the preview episode. But um, guard play is going to be its going to be the best opportunity for a get-right guard game. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. You're going to need games. What you we need Zep to score. He if he's going to be our starting guard, he's he's got to score points. I know he's a defensive guy. He put up I think three steals. He he'll get the ball out of the opposing guard's hands. He's going to get the ball, but will Zep be able to score points? <laughs> Zero points tonight. I think last game he put up like eight or something. He put up a decent amount to where I think you brought up the fact that maybe we're seeing a more consistent scoring opportunities from Zeb Jasper, but it seems he took half the team took a giant step back from the Washington mm-hmm. game to this game. And it was night and day watching the Washington game and watching this game. Only, like I said, I only got to watch 10 minutes of it. Got went back and watched recap film from the first half. Uh, felt like a Washington game hangover. <laughs> like it really did. <laughs> Um, it, it kind of felt like Auburn rolled in and said, we're right now, like, you know, we're, we're, we're back to where we should be. And then they look like dog. Um, if there were ever a game and you want to blow out your opponent every single game, I understand how sports work. I I'm not dumb. Been around the block. If there was ever a game that you want to go in on the road and just run somebody out of the gym, it's next Wednesday in Athens, Georgia or next Tuesday, but Wednesday, Wednesday for sure. Sorry. Um, you know, Wednesday, cause I know it's January 4th, uh, Wednesday for sure. You want to run georgia out the gym yes and uh if you, if you want to make a little quote graphic for me for that feel free i didn't know if that's what you were taking notes for uh um, oh, no uh, arkansas just finished their bowl game i just got the post ready to put up put that up ah yes right 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 mr sec football news over here as well yes i'm sorry if <laughs> i, I wrote three pages incog- incognito name but uh but like as you were saying yeah definitely a giant hangover from the washington game to this game uh, another thing about this game was you did you were not able to witness this part of the game. Uh, Janai Broom got a second foul with five minutes left in the first half. I didn't have to see that one to see the one that he committed on Colin Castleton within five minutes left in the game. Well, that's one thing because Auburn still played against, like at least like played decent in the last five minutes of the game. The last five minutes of the first half was absolutely brutal to watch. You didn't have Janai Broom defending Colin Castleton. You had a confused Dylan Cardwell, and you had Johan Treor out there trying to do – that's where he got most of his minutes was whenever Janai got taken out. Like, I I couldn't – I almost wanted to turn off, the, turn off the game. I couldn't look at it anymore. It, it was brutal to watch. And I, I think we know Jay Will's our best scorer, but I think right now – when he's consistently playing well, Janai Broom is Auburn's best player. And the the way they look without Janai on the field on the court is just oh lost. Lost yeah, lost is the best lost. word to use. <laughs> it, it it was brutal. That last five minutes was just probably the worst bit of Auburn basketball I have watched in a hot minute. 
we're going to have to do a pretty um, in-depth breakdown for the Georgia game just to talk about talking points. And, and a lot of this will circle back. So I'm excited to see when we kind of get the chance. You know, I'm a film junkie. You know how I operate. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go back and watch this game again. Okay, <laughs> back, you're going to really enjoy this last five. I'm going to get a text message from you. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was. Ugh. I've got a two hour plane plane ride on uh, on, on Monday night. And uh, you, you already know I'll have the game downloaded on my laptop and I'll be rewatching it. <laughs> you're going to need about like a 30 minute interval between. This like, are Bloody Marys on the plane. That's OK. <laughs> you're going to you're going to need that half time to just go play fully out during after those five minutes, because that, that was just the worst five minutes of basketball I've ever seen. That's when the bulk of the turnovers happened. <laughs> That defense was just non-existent. I have to take a little like personal timeout and play games on my phone for a minute. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but that game was just horrendous after that. Uh, but uh, Auburn did win. Auburn won. A win is a win is a win is a, a win, win is a win is a win is a win. Just gonna that'll be your quote. Would be a win is a win is a win is a win. Sixty-one uh, fifty-eight. Starting off undefeated in SEC play, Kentucky lost. Is losing to Missouri, I believe. They last time I checked, out. it was like 75 50 something. Last time I looked, uh, my mind's been on Arkansas, Kansas, and the game of how we're going to be able <laughs> whoever wins, we get to say it that way. Final Missouri, Missouri 89, Kentucky 75. Missouri might be legit, <laughs> uh, or Kentucky's just bad. Yeah, well, Missouri's also like 12 and 1 now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, we played Missouri this year, right? <laughs> no, Auburn's not played Missouri. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but looking at other Auburn sports news, if you were on Twitter at all and you follow us on Twitter, you'll notice that there was uh, two different Jeffrey Mbup posts that went up yesterday that I got thrown for a complete loop <laughs> during. This was the funniest experience for me um, from just getting a phone call from you. It was the funniest thing in the world. Because <laughs> you, you heard my voice. I was stressed out because I was like, I got someone tweeted out that Jeffrey Embo was potentially in the portal. So I went to his Instagram and he had a story post to go up. It was a picture of uh, the Watchmen, uh, Dr. Manhattan, sitting on the moon. And it says, "My I have entered my name in the transfer portal. Which, what better source is there in the world than him. Than the guy who's entering the portal. So you see what happened was. So um, I made the graphic, posted it, and then I get a text message from Mr. Zach Blackerby asking me who my source was and it wasn't no good. <laughs> and I was Jeffrey Emba like, had taken the post down. <laughs> yeah, I know he had deleted the, the uh, story and then I had to take it down. And then I got a text message from you, Mr. Harrison Tarr, saying that it was 100%. So it went back up. Let me and then, let me take it from here. So we so we make sure we cover our bases, uh-huh. our sources. You with me? <laughs> yes. So I get a call from Dylan yesterday from from your boy the Tank. Dude, dude, dude! Is, is Jeffrey Embaugh in the in the portal? In the, is he in the portal? Or is he not in the portal? I was like, he's in the portal. Calm down. I, I just got the phone with somebody, and then I get another phone call about like ten minutes later, and it turns out Jeffrey Embaugh has withdrawn his name from the portal. So by my math, Jeffrey Embaugh was in the transfer portal for twenty three minutes. Uh, before, career career long before making his decision uh, to withdraw his name and return to the Auburn Tigers. And as far as the college loop is concerned, that is all we know. <laughs> And just so anyone is isn't confused, uh, you can't see it because my green screen now. I have the story on my phone. <laughs> if anyone wants proof 
of anything that happened. I'll put it in front of me. I have the story. <laughs> it did happen. He is withdrawn. He will be with the Auburn program, which is huge. This is great for, for Auburn, by the way. Keeping yes. Embaugh was one of the very few good things that Brian Harson did for the program. And um, keeping him at whatever, whatever transpired. Um, and you say best thing, one of the best things uh, Brian Harson did for Auburn. Jeffrey Imba really came into his own after Brian Harson was fired. <laughs> like, I mean, like the accusi- accusi- acquisition part. Yes, yes. Uh, and another big Auburn news in the football world, uh, Jared Stidham. I was hoping you were going to have this on the rundown. I completely forgot <laughs> about it for him. Does everyone ever remember Jared Stidham, former Auburn quarterback, played I'm in 2017? <laughs> I'm old enough to remember Jared Stidham days. Uh, 2017. <laughs> Uh, one of the best quarterbacks we've ever watched. 2018, one of the most average quarterbacks we've ever watched. Uh, <laughs> drafted to the Patriots uh, in the fourth round in the 2018 NFL, 2019 NFL draft. Uh, played there for a couple of years. Uh, got traded to the Raiders this offseason or the previous offseason, one of the two. And one of them. He He's on the Raiders. He's on the Raiders. And with the, the – Math checks out for this past offseason. I think the math checks out better for this past offseason. I'm not sure. Well, he had a child at some point in between. Throw that out there as well. His Kennedy kids, Stidham, yeah, his him, and, him and Kennedy, they're their kids. They're, they have a, it's like a youngling. Like. Yeah, and if you didn't know, uh, Jared Stidham's from Texas. Uh, Did he transfer from Baylor? I heard rumors. Dude, I think he, I think he was from Baylor. And um, Bo was at the national championship game in 2010. You're right. <laughs> and Tua Tungvaluwa is from Hawaii. No way. <laughs> but Jared Stidham will be getting his first career start in the NFL this Sunday versus the San Francisco 49ers. And and he will be starting the rest of the season for a team that is looking to try to not get eliminated from the playoffs. But set up for failure. (laughs) Is he though? Because he's not terrible. He's He's not a bad quarterback. He's an average quarterback. And if you get an average quarterback, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, and I don't know if Darren Waller's still playing. On a Renfro. He has the weapons there to potentially take the job for himself. <laughs> I mean, this is going to have to just be a situation we monitor. Um, I'm with you. It's a great opportunity for him. I think if, I mean, like if you're going to bench car, I mean, I, I, that was, I'm not even getting, we're not an NFL podcast. I'm not going to. <laughs> Carr's already stepped away from the team. From yeah. What I've heard. Well, yes, he should. Um, Derek Carr, you are a Pittsburgh Steeler. Anyways, <laughs> Derek Carr, you are a Carolina Panther. Anyway. No. no, 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 no. I like bearded Sam Darnold. <laughs> I can't wait for all the the recruiting board or the draft boards when I'm on on our draft show and I'm like you are a Pittsburgh Steeler you are a Pittsburgh Steeler anyways, <laughs> um, this is a good opportunity for him. We'll monitor this and keep him updated. I mean, if he throws like I don't know six tutties, we'll, maybe we'll talk about it. Like, <laughs> if he if he has a great game, we'll talk about it. If he has an absolutely horrendous game, we'll clown him for it. We'll clown him for it. If he just has a middle of the pack, one touchdown, one interception, 180 we'll just briefly yards, mention it and go right on. We'll like, hey, this happened today. And other news. <laughs> and other news. Here's this zero star fullback that we should recruit that Auburn should be considering. <laughs> here's this six foot eight uh, other French defensive tackle that played JUCO <laughs> with Jeffrey Emba that <laughs> we are now trying to steal from or bring over. <laughs> We do. Speaking of recruiting, we do have a little bit more, a little more news to talk about. We do. Go ahead, Mister Mister Lark. I'll let you lead in. I just it kind of clicked in my head while I was thinking about it. Uh, is you want to talk about the running back? That okay, Dylan Johnson, running back from Mississippi State. 
uh, still in the transfer portal. He will be announcing where he is going on January 3rd. And Auburn's looking to be his go-to place right now. It's a serious, um, serious contender. Um, and I, I'm going to eat my words. I guess Dylan's just going to have to clip it up where, our, where Daniel and I were both wrong about uh, acquiring uh, a <laughs> transfer portal running back. Uh, I, I think that I think he's an Auburn lead uh, from what I hear. I, now, granted, uh, January 3rd is a long ways away in recruiting world, right? It's yeah. a very long ways away. I mean, by the time this is published, it'll be December 29th. I mean, that gives him a full five days. Like, <laughs> don't even <laughs> start to count your chickens. <laughs> so, I brought this up on last episode. I don't know if anybody really heard me, but I was on the line of thinking that, you know, you told me, told us the panic about the whole Jeremiah Cobb thing, but could this be like, hey, we're picking up another running back? Hey, Jeremiah, probably want to sign if you want to see any kind of playing time this year. Uh, it, it just – that could be the case. Uh, I mean, because we weren't really expecting a running back besides Jeremiah Cobb in this recruiting class. I'll, I'll tell you this, Lark. I, I've, I've told you everything I know about running backs. Uh, and and if if there's something going on with Jeremiah Cobb, there's nothing I've been informed of, um, which, I mean, I am so far from the pinnacle – of Auburn news, like people don't come tell me secrets all the time. Um, but from, from the conversations I've had, I've been given no reason to think that Jeremiah Cobb won't be with the program uh, come fall 2023. But also, I mean, you know, crazier things have happened. I'm saying so, it could be a theory. Yeah, yeah no. Just we're going to try to pick up a transfer running back to try to pressure our incoming 2023 guy to sign quicker. Well, I mean, he has to wait till February now, but. Well, my theory has just been debunked. <laughs> my my favorite personal theory is that the LOI was actually signed on signing day, and Jeremiah Cobb's just gonna wait till like the most random day in the world and just send it to us. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna have to be a day. There's gonna be no Auburn athletics playing. We're gonna be oh, this is gonna be a normal day. I don't yeah, have you, to. You and I are gonna be like, dude, COD, Fortnite, <laughs> Rocket League, like. <laughs> Luckily, I've had his – he was the first graphic I made because I was fully expecting him to be the first name I heard on signing day, and it just didn't happen. So um, um, there's interesting news on that front. Uh, I'd be interested to see where the other transfer you were talking about. I think we're talking about the same guy. So we'll let you throw out the name, and I'll tell you how much I'm willing to talk about it. Uh, Well, I was going to bring up a little guy named Sam Hartman who entered the portal and committed to Notre Dame in the same day. Uh, Another guy I was going to bring up is – uh. Maybe this could be for a different episode. Uh, have a Grayson McCall versus Spencer Sanders discussion. Which one do you want to talk about right now? Or like, which one do you want to go first? We have a few more minutes before we have to wrap this one up for, for drive time, obviously. Maybe we could save it for next episode on New Year's. Because uh, we're going to be – next episode, we're going to be talking about the women's basketball game that is tomorrow. And for the remainder of that time, we could compare and contrast – the pros and cons of having either Spencer Sanders in the Albert Tigers or having Grayson McCall. Well, can I, can I do a little two second film breakdown on, on Sanders? Cause I did, I told you I was at the airport watching a good amount of, of Sanders. Yeah, you can. Because yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dweeb um, who absolutely just can't stop watching film because my brain is just not wired correctly. Um, <laughs> I think I've sold myself on Spencer Sanders fitting in the Auburn system. The arm strength is probably better than Ashford's. Um, the accuracy is certainly better. Um, the s- mobility, you're not going to match Robbie Ashford. It's just not going to happen. Um, here's a comparison that's probably going to get us canceled in terms of like people in Auburn are going to stop listening to our show. So I apologize in advance. You might want to cut this. 
There are some Bo Nixisms. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to leave it in and I'm going <laughs> to quote it and I'm going to make sure everyone knows that you are wanting. I- I'm going to make it sound like you want Spencer Sanders because he plays like Bo Nix. You know, that's just slander, but okay. Um, <laughs> let, let, let me put it this way. I, I think that Bo Nix is a better college quarterback than Spencer Sanders. I think that you would probably agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. But I think their skill set in terms of being able to run a pro-style offense like he did at Oklahoma State, um, being able to scramble when you have to, kind of be a playmaker, I think that Nix has the edge there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think arm strength, they're probably dead even, maybe a little edge to Nix. And you're going to keep hearing me say that because I, I don't think Spencer Sanders is as good as Bo Nix. Um, football IQ is about the same, so about average. <laughs> uh, and and But, but pocket presence-wise, um, Sanders is a, guy, is a guy that doesn't take a ton of sacks, which – Bonex <laughs> um, doesn't turn the ball over a ton, like Bonex. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's similar in their play styles. I think Nick's a little more athletic. You're getting more of a pro style quarterback. Um, and Sanders, my my million dollar question, and the reason I think he would fit right now is is the re- reconstruction of the line, right? Mm-hmm. And and the fact that I think you and I are on the same page about really believing in the skill position re- set that Auburn's got right now. Yeah, um, I think that you and I, are, at least I speak on my own behalf. I think I speak on yours too. Receiver room, tight end room, and obviously the running back room. I'm pretty interested and excited for. Oh yeah, um, I think that Auburn's actually reasonably set up in that, in that front. Um, I think the only advantage is Sanders has got more experience than Ashford. Um, I think they bring up bring different skill sets, and if you want to run more of a pro style offense, like similar to what um, Ole Miss did uh, with Chad Kelly um, under Freeze, then maybe. Maybe Sanders is, is is the right transfer quarterback. I don't think he's option A. Um, I will say, whenever you have a, a team or a situation like Hugh Freeze is going into when you have a young quarterback who just coming off of starting the remainder of the season, picking up a transfer quarterback, you're not usually looking for, like, the guy. You're looking for someone. Uh, if you have a talented quarterback enough, like Robbie Ashford, and you just need a, you just need a one-year, like a bridge quarterback to try to help mold the more talented younger guy, that's kind of what I believe Spencer Sanders would be. Uh, and same thing with Grayson McCall. I feel like it's the same way. You're just you're just getting another quarterback for a year, but I feel like McCall is just way more talented than Spencer Sanders is. Okay. There, that's what you're waiting for me to say. You know, I, I was going to say it. I, great, if you're not – Grayson McCall, if you gave me three options, and it's McCall, Robbie, if, if tell me to uh, start, bench, and cut. I'm starting McCall – benching Robbie and I'm cutting Spencer Sanders I want to add to that though I don't think you have a bad option um I really don't in that dream scenario um I don't think I really don't think there's let's look at the ceiling right now I I think the ceiling seven or eight wins for Auburn in 2023 I think that's a great year for them I really do in a rebuild and and, you know it's it's at the SEC it's college football anything can happen but I think hovering around that would be great um that's when I start asking myself the question of is it worth not playing Robbie Ashford and I keep coming back to that devil's advocate I think the only situation where it's worth not playing Robbie Ashford is if it's Grayson McCall and and, and we've, we've mentioned before the McCall is in and then McCall's out and then we're playing hopscotch then we're jumping through hoops then then Dylan's throwing me an alley-oop dunk and we're living in fantasy land like you just <laughs> it's it's you're going back and forth and, and there's just not enough traction right now that we know about um for me to think that that's a feasible option. And until I hear anything, I, I I'm confident there's 
there's interest on Sanders' part from, from Spencer Sanders in Oklahoma State. I don't buy it. You know what I mean? I just I don't I don't buy that there's going to be a guy that's not Robbie Ashford um, at QB one in 2023. And I don't personally think they're barring Grayson McCall. I don't think there should. Yeah, and but I, I, I also like, kind of convinced myself that Sanders could work. Well, that's because you're a, a Gundyism type guy. And a film junkie. You gotta give me a You little. are a film junkie, but <laughs> I'm just saying there's a little bias because he, he does wear that orange and black that Mike Gundy has been coaching for for I don't however long now. Gundy's another one of those guys that I'll throw people under the bus all the time for. Like, great recruit. I think he's a good recruiter for his his school, right? For Oklahoma <laughs> State. He's just not a very good X's and O's coach. <laughs> like, uh but I think you said the ceiling for Auburn this year, seven or eight wins. I could say that it's probably a little higher. I would say eight, nine. I'd go up one. I think nine wins is very as long capable. As, as long as you weren't saying double digits. If it was double digits, I was going to ask for whatever drugs you're on. Uh, the ceiling is definitely 15 wins. Uh, In theory. <laughs> but when you look at the ceiling and ceilings and floors, I think, and you look at these three quarterbacks, I think that the higher ceiling can be reached with Grayson McCall. And I think if you're reaching for a middle of the road, like a decent rebuilding year season, you're gonna you're gonna stick with a Spencer Sanders or Robbie Ashford. But I think Robbie Ashford is definitely the quarterback of the future. I think Holden Jariner, bringing him in now, is probably gonna be transferring. If come we pick next, it, come, next, come if maybe at the end of spring, over <laughs> um, these next couple months, I feel like we're definitely gonna have another a transfer situation. Robbie's gonna be the guy if we don't pick up those guys. Uh, but if we get McCall, Robbie stays, and Jariner's gone. And but I, but if if the get on my court, there's too many quarterbacks getting thrown around now. If Grayson McCall is starting, I think nine wins is very feasible. I would agree because um, I think Grayson McCall he plays. I'm going to bring up one of your points. He plays like Bo Nix, but I will say he's a better quarterback than Bo Nix is. All around quarterback. Because watching him play today, he basically had to carry Coastal Carolina to even be within contention of East Carolina. And I don't think you liked my comment very much on him being a better quarterback than Bo Nix. I we'll 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 do a quarterbacks episode. I think that's a really good idea um sometime in the near future. Um and I'm just gonna kind of leave. I know we're we're wrapping up here. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave on this parting thought. This is my personal opinion, and I think that you may echo me, you may disagree. I know that Daniel and I are kind of on the same page here. I think that if your ceiling is nine wins next year. Um, and, and and you just want to focus on making a bowl game, development, recruitment, and, and that's all good and great and what Freeze should be doing right now. I think there's a ton of value in playing Robbie Ashford. I think there's so much value in playing Robbie Ashford um, in terms of he's going to have to use his eligibility anyways, right? Mm-hmm. Let the kid get better. In my opinion, Robbie Ashford, every single game he started this year, he was better the game the next game than he was the game before, in my opinion. Yes. And I think that there's just a ton of value to sticking with him, and that's not just me being a Ashford bow down truther. I just think longevity wise, it makes the most sense. I completely agree. I mean, I, you know, as what, like, I, me and you, 2022 A Day, me and you were praising Robbie Ashford. He was the next coming of, next coming up great quarterback for Auburn after that day. And I think, I think you're 100% right. I think that him starting this year would be very beneficial to him and the team. Uh, but if you're in a win now situation, Grayson McCall would be the best op- option available. We'll talk about it all more later in the week. <laughs> yes, we will. And with that, I'll end the episode here. 
Uh, I'm Dylan Lark at your boy the tank on Twitter. Harrison Tar at by Harrison Tar with the Auburn Daily. And it's been the College Loop Podcast. See y'all.